This week on the Fieldhouse Files, I'll discuss the NBA finishing its season, the Pacers' ongoing coaching search, and names I'm hearing, what's up with Victor Oladipo, and more. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Hi again, everybody. I'm Scott Agnes. Great to put out yet another podcast. I can't believe the NBA season is almost complete. And give the NBA credit. Not one positive test since they arrived in early July, and that is a major accomplishment. That's no easy feat. I mean, this bubble has proven that it works, and this is really the only way to safely get it done. Just look around the NFL, and including this week, you're having games delayed. And the Tennessee Titans have had dozens of cases to this point. Several teams affected, multiple games postponed. So the bubble is the only way you can completely get it done. And that's a big testament to the NBA, the league. They had people down there several weeks before anyone else at the start of July, even before everyone arrived around July 7th. And then to those teams and how every team had to hand-select one individual to kind of be ahead of their health and being tested and making sure that everybody got tested and the players and coaches for going along with that. That, I think we cannot overstate how much work and time and effort it took, but also to that point, how successful it has been. And so now we have the Lakers. We have the Heat meeting in the NBA Finals. Lakers, I think, was expected. They were clearly the favorites, at least out of the Western Conference. But we all expected for them to face the Clippers in the Battle of the Western Conference. Obviously, that didn't happen. There was a fallout, of course, for the Clippers coming up way short and not even making it to the Western Conference Finals. And that, Doc Rivers being fired less than a couple weeks later and 72 hours later, then he had a new job and is joining the Atlantic Division, joining the 76ers. And what that did open up was it, made sure Mike D'Antoni remained available because he was a clear favorite and a guy that they were heavily focused on, I think, with the 76ers. But that marriage does make tons of sense with Doc Rivers going to the 76ers. And clearly they needed something new. Brett Brown was not working out. Something wasn't clicking between him and the, the stars being Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And having him there, I think he'll do a great job of managing personalities. And maybe it will be enough for the 76ers to finally find some postseason success. This year is a little bit different. It's wacko. And so as a result of you know playing in the bubble and the hiccup in the middle of the season where you then take four months off, then come back, and no fans and no true road games and those sorts of things, I actually thought we'd see less change throughout the league. But in turn, you've still kind of had consistent turnover. Nick's job, Nets' job. Billy Donovan and the Thunder saying, hey, it's not going to work. And then short while after him joining the Chicago Bulls. So a great coach has now joined the Central Division, the Pacers Division. And hopefully maybe a rivalry starts up again. It's been quite a while since those two teams really battled. I wouldn't even call it a rivalry what we had almost a decade ago when it was Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah and such and the Bulls and for the Pacers, right? It was Paul George, David West, G. Hill. The ketchup and mustard talk that I love from George Hill, that was pretty hilarious, saying there's way too much ketchup, meaning Bulls fans in the arena, than 
mustard of Pacer fans. But the Pacers, they've had their hands full for more than a month now with a coaching vacancy. The good news is, I guess, if you're counting their books, is that they haven't had to pay a new coaching staff for a month. But that coaching search is ongoing. They've talked to more than a dozen candidates, and it's been a well-rounded search, which is smart. Consider this. Pacers haven't hired a coach outside their system in more than a decade. You have to go back to Jim O'Brien right there because when he was fired midseason, Frank Vogel took over. And then when Vogel's contract was not renewed, we saw Nate McMillan be promoted from within. The Pacers have been long overdue in conducting an outside search and conducting interviews and those sorts of things because Larry Bird kind of kept things simple. So this is a, a wise move by the Pacers, but it obviously takes time, and I know everyone's kind of ready to see what the next staff looks like and then, as a result, what the Pacers decide to do with their roster. One thing I was surprised about, and I wrote about this along with several other stories on FieldhouseFiles.com, was when Woj initially dropped a list of names, about 15. It wasn't a couple or four. It was about 15 names that the Pacers were considering, and that's unusual for this franchise, but it's what happened. But since then, it's strategically been quiet from the organization, a little bit of lockdown for them and talking a little bit. So take that for what it's worth and how they're trying to control what is being said, what is being known. And after they conducted all these interviews over Zoom, now they're moving to face-to-face. And the names I'm hearing the most in my conversations have been Dave Yeager, Chris Quinn, and Dan Craig of the Miami Heat, Chauncey Billups. And by the way, I put out a poll on Instagram, and I was amazed. About 70% of respondents wanted Chauncey Billups. The majority of individuals wanted Chauncey, and he's long overdue, I think, to get an opportunity. I think the one argument against him, really the only argument, is that he hadn't paid his dues, that he hasn't proven to be a good coach, or a coach at all for that matter. He retired and has got into TV, does work with ESPN, he was a color analyst for the Clippers TV broadcast, but a lot of these guys, Steve Nash is an exception, and obviously his pedigree is much better, but still, he wasn't willing to be an assistant coach like some others, like a Ty Lue, and and now, like Jason Kidd, to He wants to obviously be a head coach again and was willing to make the sacrifice and be an assistant coach. Um, And the other name, by the way, Chris Finch, and then add Mike D'Antoni to that list. It's funny, Mike D'Antoni was the name I had heard for months, similar to about a year ago leading up to free agency, right, with Ricky Rubio. And then because of several changes, most specifically Boyan Bogdanovich going to Utah and the after effects of all that, they pivoted and were able to acquire Malcolm Brogdon in a sign-and-trade. If not for that, they were going to sign Ricky Rubio. But things changed, and now, from what I gather, uh, the Pacers' interest and desires have changed a little bit since those early um, discussions and talk and, and his name being floated out there, uh, no doubt. But a few people close to those conducting the search have kind of described the search as chaotic, if you will, to me. Um, a lot of unsureness about what's going on, what they're seeking. And also, one thing that everyone involved around the search wants to know is how much is owner Herb Simon willing to pay? Because this is not going to sit well. If you've looked around and been paying attention, malls aren't doing too well. And the Pacers certainly aren't right now ready to contend 
for a championship. And by the way, Nate McMillan's already on the books for next season. They gave him that extension a month before firing him. So how much is he going to be willing to pay? Market rate, is he going to prefer to go down the assistant road first-time head coach because you can get a bargain? Or is he wanting and willing to pay a little bit more of a premium for a proven coach, for instance? Don't have those answers just yet. Hopefully we will here in the coming week or so. But several of these names are intriguing. And to tell you the truth, maybe you'll even see a couple of them. Um, But Dave Yeager, he's just a guy personality-wise I just don't see as a fit for this franchise. I I like Dan Craig. Chauncey Billups makes a lot of sense, and as does Chris Finch. And keep in mind, a lot about the NBA is it being a small circle in previous relationships and history on top of where you came from and can bring to the table. The thing that may be most interesting to me over these last several weeks is how haven't heard a thing about any of the San Antonio assistants or former San Antonio assistants. And why that's notable is I know the Spurs is a franchise that Kevin Pritchard admires, looks up to, wants to simulate and, and be like and, and replicate some of that success. He actually worked there and looks up to R.C. Buford for their level of consistent success. So obviously we know those are two of the most private organizations, so they'd be able to keep it quiet. But I'm a little bit surprised that nothing has got out about some of these current and former Spurs assistant coaches that are due for an opportunity to run a team. Nothing just yet. One thing is becoming more and more clear is it sounds like Dan Burke won't be back, and that's unfortunate, but it doesn't sound like it's his choice. He's been assistant with the team since Larry Bird hired him back in 1997. He's essentially the defensive coordinator, essentially the associate head coach. I don't think he ever... Here recently has had aspirations to be a head coach. He's just pure basketball, no nonsense. Let's watch film. Let's get better. But it does not seem like he's being made a priority to be brought back. And if they choose to retain an assistant, my sense is that it'll be Bill Baino. He's most likely. He's tight with Kevin Pritchard. We know that matters. He's the one who works regularly with Demonis Sabonis, Pacers All-Star. And he actually usually spends much of his offseason traveling with Domas. Bano's not married, doesn't have any kind of um, serious relationships, and so he kind of has that freedom, that ability to do what he wants, go where he wants, hang out where he wants, and so who can blame him? Hanging out in L.A., also working with Sabonis, and he even had plans to go visit Sabonis overseas and spend significant time with him last summer, but then he had a death in the family, so that kind of changed his plans there, but those are the, some of the key reasons why, if they keep assistant, um, Bano seems like he would be most likely. Now, one of the big pressing points here in the last week or two has been Victor Oladipo, and we still don't have any clarity about where he stands. Um, does he want to be brought back? And more specifically, does he plan to be here for the long term? And before I go on any further, uh, let's hear what he had to say here recently, because on the final day of September just before the NBA Finals tipped off, meaning about 15 minutes beforehand, Instagram with a notification, hey, by the way, Victor, joining Fat Joe on Instagram for an IG Live. Not exactly what I'm ever expecting, but we all know music industry, Fat Joe's success, it seemed like about a decade ago, and Victor continuing on 
uh, loving music, obviously have an outstanding voice. So first take a listen to this key two-minute sequence. Would you make a choice to stay or go to a team where you're just a star, or do you want that hardware, Victor? Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's where it gets tough, you know. Uh, it's like picking your poison, you know what I'm saying? It's, sometimes you can have the best of both worlds, but sometimes you can't. Uh, man, anybody who know me, man, I'm all about winning. Um, and I feel like that's what you're, that's what you're defined as in this game. You know, I don't, I don't, a lot of people say they don't play for the money, but that's what I live and breathe by. Like, I just want to be the greatest. I want people to, to, to talk, to have my name amongst the greats. And in order to do that, you got to get rings. You got to have trophies. You know what I'm saying? Um, not saying like Charles Barkley ain't a great player, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I want to be able to show my kids when I have them how great of a player I was. And in order to do that, you got to show them some hardware. So that's what I'm locked in on doing, man. I want to, I want some hardware and I want a lot of hardware. You feel me? So smart, smart choice. And you deserve it because you, you, you are beyond a superstar. You're an exceptional player, bro. Thank and you, uh, it was hard watching you hurt. You watching your team and your team is tough. Those guys Thank are tough. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Your whole team is tough. You yes, know, sir. Indiana got a tough team. And uh, but just the fact that you you already see it though. This is different back in the day. You see Charles getting clowned every day on TV. You're like, nah, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, and so um, so you haven't made up your mind if you coming to New York City, huh? I knew that question was coming. Ah! I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a pacer, man. I'm a pacer, dog. I'm a pacer. So I don't know. all these other rumors, I can't control the rumors, man. I'm just focused on my knee. Do you hear rumors sometimes to say to yourself, like, where the hell they heard that at? Man, all of the ones on the internet, I don't even know where where they come from. I'm just, you know, in the background working out, working on my knee, trying to get right for next year. You know? Yeah, not good, right? Not very reassuring. And for one if he wanted to quiet any kind of rumors, reports that continue to be out there. And they have been out there for more than a year, right? One year ago, the Pacers were in India right now. And by the way, that seems like four years ago. That seems like ancient wild now. And I was texting around with several of those who were on the trip. And yeah, they were like, geez, really? Yeah, you're right. It was more than a year ago when they played at Mumbai, played a couple of games. I was uh, something that was a priority and initiative that owner Herb Simon was certainly pushing for. They got it done because before then was training camp. And that's when I first started to hear more and more um, about perhaps a, a clash, if you will, between the Pacers and Victor Oladipo and his people a little bit. And something I began tracking last fall seems to be ongoing. And we don't know again for sure if he's dead set on moving on. But what we do know is that every indication is that he isn't growing roots here, that he's kind of moved on in that respect, right? If you know you're going to be here, you're going to invest in the community. You're going to invest in real estate. You're going to invest in property and other stuff um, if you catch my drift. And some plans that were in the works uh, backed away a little bit, and they pivoted a little bit, which suggests to me kind of, the mindset of him and others, uh, where he stood in all that. And right now we all know he's going into a contract year. It pays him a hefty $21 million 
And then he wants to get paid. And in that the first part of that clip, that's one thing that was noteworthy, right? And for full context purposes, obviously they were talking about Charles Barkley and how he's remembered and how he never won a championship. And Victor obviously wants to win a championship, and he wants to maximize his earnings. It's not exactly easy for him to do both. He's not a superstar. He's not that perennial all-star. He's that dog. He's that hardworking type player that has had to earn everything. He wasn't scouted in high school. The only reason Tom Crean found him at DeMatha was he was there to scout somebody else. Then he earned it, all of it, at Indiana University, working his way to Defensive Player of the Year and and the outstanding awards and leading him to be drafted second overall in 2013. But at this point, the one thing, if he was serious about staying in Indiana, and this isn't even a leverage thing of not admitting it, you owe that almost to your fans and everyone else. If that's how he felt, he planned to stay in Indianapolis and with the Pacers who have been good to him. Is you would have said, hey, this is where my future lies. You would have admitted how much this franchise and this city and these fans, those sorts of things mean to him um, in an unassuming way, just speaking from the heart. But he didn't. He just kind of – he had that awkward laugh that we've seen more and more when he doesn't want to tell the complete truth. Um, that happened a couple times I noticed in the bubble and observed several different times here in recent months. He's mostly laid low, but he did go on this IG Live with Fat Joe and also talked about his goal to win a championship. And At least in the near future, he's now 28. I don't see that happening here in Indianapolis in the next two years, which would seem that his focus has to be elsewhere. In doing so, would hope that the money would come along with it. And We just don't know because he hasn't been 100% since he got injured, and that was a significant injury, and that wasn't anything... Regular, right? Was not an ACL, was not a badly sprained ankle or anything like that. That was a ruptured quad tendon. Does not happen very often, doctors told me, in anyone under 40, especially even pro athletes. So that's something he's still coming back from. And that's why this season is incredibly important for him, whether it's in Indiana or elsewhere. He's got to show himself and other teams what exactly he can do. Can he get back to playing at an all star level? In the, what, 19 games he played this season, he did not, but nor did I expect him to. So I don't hold that. You shouldn't hold that against him. This was a, a season for him to get comfortable, get over the mental hurdle, which he even admitted is more than physical, and ease his way back into things to then ramp up for next year. And that's next year. We don't know when it'll start, by the way. Adam Silver said in a press conference here over the last week, just before the NBA Finals, that... Christmas dates that we all kind of expected. We can kind of throw those out in January at the earliest. But what I continue to hear for the last couple of months since reporting on Fieldhouse Files how Indy's All-Star game was postponed indefinitely. No date was set. hadn't been canceled, but it was postponed. Going back since then, it seemed like March was probably the earliest date because keep in mind, it is incredibly valuable and thus important for the NBA to have games again with fans. I mean, it's worth millions each game for the Warriors inside their brand-new Chase Center, and it's not that lucrative for the Pacers and other franchises, but it has similar effects. And so even if they have to do half capacity or 75% or shorten the schedule, having games in front of fans it seems like the most likely and, per- and it certainly is the most preferable option after doing this bubble. And the only regret Adam Silver was admitting was 
maybe giving these guys during the bubble a break, whether that was two or three days off between a significant portion of the games or maybe a week or two and allowing them to go back home because it's clearly been a mental toll for those players, coaches, their families, NBA personnel and such. And nobody's been through this before. You wouldn't know exactly what to expect or what's the best option. Um, but I appreciate Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, admitting that and, and speaking his truth and what he's observed and been hearing through all of that. Those conversations will continue. And in a key summer like this one, shouldn't he spend some time in Indianapolis? I get this is the player's time, coach's time. They can spend it wherever. But I think it would be helpful, and I've seen with players in the past how beneficial it truly was. Immediately, Lance Stevenson, C.J. Miles come to mind. They spent two summers in a row every single day in the gym and just working out in front of personnel, using team facilities. They made that leap because of that. And as Victor works his way back to 100%, I think it would be helpful for him to spend more time. He's 28, single. Like, of course you want to be in Miami in the warm weather, but what if he came here for two weeks or spent a month and then went back to Miami? I'm telling you, it would be valuable and go a long way with the franchise and and truly be helpful, I think, to him, both rehabbing, becoming more comfortable with the franchise and the new players. Remember, he joined a team last year that had nine newcomers. So he's still trying to figure them out, and they're trying to figure him out. Plenty of more Vic talk coming up in future episodes. I'm, I'm sure of that. So we'll move on there. But I didn't exactly like what I heard from them because he had a chance to own his message, whatever he wanted to say, and really passed up the opportunity and, and laughed it off. And I wrote all about it at fieldhousefiles.com. And my biggest takeaway on top of that and what I observed from him over the last six months is he's got to find that joy again. I didn't see him smiling, laughing, singing, whistling throughout the facility. And I get it. It was a serious injury. He had to work his way back. And it wasn't easy, especially mentally. And he got tired of answering questions and got tired of his teammates having to answer that question. I know they were tired of discussing it, but that's the reality. That's what fans want to know. How's he doing? How's he progressing? When will he play again? And what do we expect to see from him? That comes with the territory and in part why these players are paid so much. I didn't see that smile and personality come out and shine through after games or during practices as much. He, he seemed to be a little bit more guarded and not play with that joy. So that's what I want to see him recapture. Maybe it's this offseason, something so silly that could bring it back to him. But that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on is where is the joy? All right, I'll wrap up this short podcast episode. No guest this week. I wanted to catch you up on what has been going on with the Pacers, what I have learned in my reporting. And I think moving forward, you're going to like some of the episodes I have planned, including with a couple former Pacers, like a Joe Young. We already recorded that. Get this, he was in China with all this coronavirus and had an outstanding year, dropped, what, 50 points and 70 points in a game. Really wants back in the NBA. So that was a fun discussion with him. I plan to talk with Orlando Johnson, as well as a couple other former players. In addition to covering this coaching surge, where Victor's at, we'll have the draft coming up in November. That's about the only NBA date that is set outside of the NBA Finals, which will wrap up this week. Pacers currently do not have a first-round pick. Maybe they'll trade to get in it. But as of now, just a late second-round pick. And all these pre-draft workouts that normally take part at team facilities, right? The Pacers bring in usually just over 30 
each May and June. Well, those are all done over video, and teams are, are allowed to watch that and break them down a max of about 45 minutes or so. Just a whole different world right now that everybody's having um, to adapt to. Also, one other note. This is pretty cool. College basketball, though, but Gonzaga and Baylor's men's basketball will help tip off the college basketball season. They're playing at Banker's Life Fieldhouse on December 5th. Now, no fans, which is a little surprising considering things have increased um, with capacity here, whether it be Indy 11 or Colts games here in central Indiana. But who knows what things look like in December, and I think they made the easy call. Let's just decide now. No fans. But the game will air nationally on CBS. Those two teams agreed to play, and then the Pacers and Indiana Sports Corp were really shopping around trying to get more games here in town, both for the economy and event staff and such. And So it's the first scheduled event at the Fieldhouse since the Big Ten tournament, all the way back on March 11th. I remember sitting there in my Section 3 seat, Row 3, when I got the alert from the NBA that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for COVID-19 and knew, hey, this might be the last time I'm in the Fieldhouse. And this, man, come to think of it, this is the longest time that I've gone without going to Banker's Life Fieldhouse since I worked there in 2003. Nearly two decades. I haven't gone, what, more than six months since going there for, what, Pacer game, Fever game, concert, comedy show. I don't know. Wow. That's pretty crazy to believe. Also, um, by the way, that college basketball game, that'll be special for Damana Sabonis, who played against Zaga, Fever, First-round pick, Lauren Cox of Baylor, so that's pretty cool for them. It's the first event since phase one of renovations. Three phases set at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Two more to go. But because of COVID and and no events, get this, I'm told they're ahead of where they expected to be, and they've been able to move up some plans. That includes the brand-new scoreboard as being part of phase one. It also now includes upgrades like touchless faucets, bathroom fixtures, and other upgrades to food areas. I think a lot of those are COVID-related and and trying to simplify the process and have less touch points just out of precautions. And so that's pretty cool. Hopefully, we'll be able to get over to Banker's Life Fieldhouse for a tour to report back and also share some photos and videos. That's one thing I've really been pushing the Pacers for. Hey, there's little news right now. Let's talk about Banker's Life Fieldhouse and, and what fans can expect to see and what what's being upgraded there keeping it in mind that that's paid all by taxpayers that that building lucas oil stadium and such so they owe it to you guys to keep you updated well that'll do it for this episode of the fieldhouse files do one thing for me if you haven't subscribed please do it and also if you haven't left a review please take one minute to do that to leave a review you just simply go to ratethispodcast.com slash Fieldhouse Files. From there, quickly fill out a review. Let me know what you like about the show. Give me five stars, and I'll even read them on upcoming episodes. But those really help with the metrics. They help exposing this podcast and getting the word out to other Pacer fans that I think would really enjoy what I have to say and the guests that I bring on to take you guys behind the scenes because that's important. I want to bring you with me. And right now, we're all stuck at home. So it makes things a little bit more difficult, but we're back at it and plenty of news. And of course, my written work is at fieldhousefiles.com, free to read for now. And so you want to get in now while it is still free, fieldhousefiles.com, subscribe there. Give it a chance. If it's not for you, feel free to unsubscribe. 
I'm not offended, but I just want you to give it a chance, and I think you'll really like it. It's direct to your inbox, easy to read, no ads. It's simplified, and I think it is not the future. It is the current when it comes to news because I know a lot of you are off Twitter or off Instagram or at least significantly reducing your time, but that also makes it difficult to stay in the know. So stay in the know by going to Fieldhouse Files and subscribing to this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week. 